podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Did you know that yearly Medicaid renewals will start again soon? This means millions of people who were enrolled in Medicaid during the pandemic may no longer be eligible for coverage. If this may impact you, the good news is you have options. Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield can help answer your questions so you can find an affordable health plan for you and your family. We want you to feel confident you're covered. Click to learn more. Policy exclusions and limitations apply. Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield is the trade name of Blue Cross Blue Shield Healthcare Plan of Georgia, Inc. a Celtic state of mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and it's Thursday so for the Axon Bulletin I'm joined by Declan McConville and JP Mason no matter where you are in the world JP you dial in uh, to talk all things Celtic how are you doing? I'm good I yeah wouldn't miss it there's too much to talk about so here I am well, I sometimes feel sorry for you guys if we've had a, a big game at the weekend because you're having to wait until Thursday um, certainly to, to speak to Axon on the Axon Bulletin about it. Uh, so we will definitely be covering it. I think most things have been said, but I always want your views on what we did wrong, what could have been better and uh, where it leaves us. But the big the big story really is, um, you know, the, the transfer window, the first transfer window deck. I'll come to you first. Um, we heard Ange and Dom in their joint press conference when they spoke to the fan groups uh, and thankfully Axon was part of that. And he was talking about recruitment. Dominic Mackay and as was Ange and they were talking about um, also youth development, sports science but I think it's been a case of let's prioritise trying to get the squad in order and we'll come back to some of the other elements of that and we've brought in 12, we've brought in a dozen what you could consider first team players and we'll go through some of those in a wee bit more detail deck but as an overview, how happy have you been with the transfer window and where can you see there still being gaps? In May, um, you know, the, the squad itself looked as if it was heading towards disaster. Obviously, our captain was departing. We had a group of loan players that were going to leave the club. We already knew that there was a group of players at the club that, you know, didn't want to be there, close quotation marks. So there was all these different factors. Um, a rebuild was always going to be very difficult under normal circumstances, never mind during a, a pandemic. But, uh, yeah, 12 Basically, as you say, to first team, probably 10, first team uh, minus Urigidi and Shaw have came in and uh, they've all kind of hit the ground running. They've, they've settled in right away. A lot of them have hit the ground running, as I say. You know, Kyogo, Hart, Abada, um, to mention but a few. And yeah, it's, it's promising. Again, no, I don't want to jump too far ahead of myself because last year I thought the, the business that we did in the window in terms of, you know, a Uruguayan left back, uh, goalkeeper and striker at £5 million each best young player in Scotland and David Turnbull it was good business um, and the Republic of Ireland captain as well and Duffy and look how that turned out so I won't get too far ahead of myself um, there is still worries with it especially in the positions of a kind of 8 and a 10 in the midfield in terms of the depth there but mm. uh, to, to, do, to bring in 10 first team you know, starters um, with no head of recruitment there no director of football, head of football operations, whatever you want to call it, I think is, is pretty decent. So we'll see how it goes. But um, again, give it a bit of time and then judge it in hindsight. What about yourself, um, JP? Like Declan said, obviously we comment on what you see in front of you. And this time last year, we were talking about the transfer window. The fact that Celtic had uh, 
probably taken a different approach, you know, going down south and plucked out um, English Premiership players, although some of them were out of favour, uh, £5 million Greek international goalkeepers, etc., etc. And we know how that turned out. So I'm going to be very careful as to rating the transfer window because I thought it was a really good transfer window this time last year. Turned out to be the opposite. How happy are you? And, and do you have any concerns? I mean, Declan's mentioned the midfield areas. What, what are your concerns in terms of gaps in the squad? I would say a bit of concern about the midfield, um, just purely because of the way that we're playing. And a few, quite a few people have mentioned that. Obviously, it's really intense, and you don't want them. And Ange Postecoglou has already said that there's a potential that there'll be a burnout, and Disney want like Sir Anthony Ralston playing 60 games a season. But then, you know, why should it just be about Anthony Ralston? There's other players there. Are they supposed to play 60 games a season? I hope not, because you'll not get the same levels out of them. I think you can already see, maybe it was just that game on Sunday, but you can already see, you know, a bit of a dip off in terms of the midfield. I don't think the midfield performed well at all on Sunday. I thought, by and large, we were not the most effective uh, players in that uh part of the park so I, 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 I would have concerns a bit on that but overall when you look at the turnover I mean it's an insane amount of players to have come out to have left and to come in you know and, and in fact on a pertinent note um, three years ago today we played Rangers and beat them 1-0 at Celtic Park and the team that day was Craig Gordon in goal Mikel Wistig at right back Dedrick Boyata Christopher Iyer at centre half Kieran Tierney at left back Olivier and Cham and Scott Brown in the midfield, James Forrest, Tom Rogic and Callum McGregor with Edward up top. And the Rangers team in that game, McGregor in goal, Tavernier at right back, Katic, who's just departed on loan, quite strangely, Goldson, Barisic, Jack, Ejaria, can't even remember who that was, Kent, Arfield, Morelos and some guy called Kyle Lafferty. So their team is by and large the same Three years on, I mean that that is what eighty percent the same team, mm. and mm-hmm. and we've completely changed our entire team. Like there's only there's only McGregor, Rogic, and Forrest left from that team. Everybody else is away, so it's completely flipped. It's an incredible turnaround in staff and, and players. Um, and again, I don't want to labour this, but there are legacy issues here, JP, in the fact that the squad hasn't been managed properly. Therefore, you're having to to do such a facelift on the, the, the side in one transfer window. In terms of one transfer window, it's a huge upheaval. Uh, loads of comings and goings. And we'll talk about some of those who have departed Celtic Park, finally. Um, Lee Griffiths is still being asked questions about Neil Lennon. The press are trying to still you know, squeeze as much as they can out of that one, the tit for tat. Uh, but let, let's, let's talk about some of the guys that have left then. So Lee Griffiths, at the beginning of the season, uh, Declan, you weren't happy he was given a contract in the first place uh, for two pre-seasons in a row. He... Um, you know, wasn't part of the pre-season plans because of his own issues, you know, sent home from Wales this year, uh, not taken to France last year, but finally offloaded him. It's on loan, it's Dundee, and he's been speaking about his relationship with Neil Lennon. Um, He wants people to concentrate on what he does on the park. I know the answer to the first question, um, are you happy that he's been offloaded? But do you think that he will ever be able to concentrate um, on the park. I mean, is he ever going to overcome these issues that have kind of dogged the last five years of his career? Well, I think even the way the news broke, again, begged questions because Celtic or Dundee hadn't even confirmed that Lee Griffiths had either departed the club or joined Dundee. He broke it to a, a journalist over a FaceTime call with his son and that's how the news came out. So again, it's always a sideshow with Lee Griffiths. It's a constant distraction that Celtic don't need. I'm glad he's departed the football club because after the way I saw the crowd make reaction at the West Ham game, this was becoming a sideshow. It was a sideshow that the manager didn't need. It was a sideshow that the players didn't need. And um, in terms of where he's been at last pre-season and, and uh, been left out going to France with the way he turned up, obviously everything that's surrounded these allegations this year as well, um, I just think it was too much of an issue for the club and the whole tit-for-tat thing with Neil Lennon is just boring everybody now. 
Nobody mm-hmm. cares. Both of them aren't at the football club. I don't know why Lee Griffiths feels the need to constantly go on about it. And I don't feel know why Neil Lennon, when he gets asked about it, wants to go on about it. The two of them are departed. It's just time to move on. Absolutely time to move on into a new era. JP, the parting words were, he is out of a job now and he is trying to keep himself relevant. So, I mean, let's talk about the football. However, um, yeah, I think it is a sideshow that has finally left the building. Uh, the other one that I find quite an interesting one as well is Olivier and Cham. So he had a year left of his contract that was torn up and obviously some kind of financial deal was agreed upon between the club and Cham. And he goes and gets a three-year deal down at Swansea. I mean, is this another player that you think will constantly disappoint? Do you think he'll fail um, to fulfil his potential? Because there's no doubt that he's a, a very technically gifted player, Olivia and Cham, JP. We've seen flashes of that at Celtic. We've never seen it on a consistent level. It seems a shame that at one point we were apparently getting big bids from Porto. Uh, it ends up costing us money to rip up his contract. Again, a total um, issue from the old regime that was inherited by Dominic Mackay and Ange Postacoglu, they've decided to cut their losses on him. Do you think he's a player that will ever fulfil his potential? I don't know. I, I find that I find that a really strange one with Olivier and Cham. In, in fact, that game that I was referring to that was um, three years ago today at Celtic Park, we won one nil, and the match winning goal was Olivier and Cham. You know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I mean, it was. I mean, you, you think to yourself that that's. That's where he was at one point. He was a starting player in a game against Rangers, so he was trusted by the manager to start a game of that magnitude and he scored the winning goal in it. Um, and I'm pretty sure he played well and from what I can remember, he played well in that game. It wasn't just like he just turned up and scored the goal and didn't do anything else in the game. Everybody saw that he had a, a, an amazing game in him, you know, every now and then, but they were they were sort of, he cherry-picked his games, didn't he? You know, it was... Yeah whether or not he fancied it on that particular day. There was the talk of the Porto move. I don't understand why we didn't just, you know, you've got a really good financial offer and the player wants to go, but you don't let them go. I mean, that that's bananas to me. I, I just don't, that doesn't make any sense to me at all as a as an operation. Um, and and, and it's, it's come back to bite us because it's cost us money further down the line. We've had to rip up his contract and look where he's ended up. He's not ended up at Porto or Marseille. He's ended up at Swansea City. No disrespect, but I'm sorry, but a product of Man City's Youth Academy who he paid £4.5 for and has the experience, title-winning experience, European experience, Lazio and all that, a player like that should not be at Swansea City. So that suggests to me that there's a problem in his world rather than anything else because you know it's, it's, it's down to his application, his attitude, that has got him that move. And fair enough, he'll be earning a lot of money. I say a lot of money, I mean, in relative terms, but he's not He's not doing what Kieran Tierney is. He's not doing what Stuart Armstrong is or Christopher Ayer. He's down a division. And, you know, arguably he could have been and should have been up in their neck of the woods. On Griffiths, very briefly, time will tell at the end of this season whether or not the problem is Celtic or the problem is Lee Griffiths because if, if he comes around, if he turns around at the end of the season and he's got the goals that he says he's got in him and he's got the minutes in his, uh, in the, in his legs that he says he's got in him then you know we'll have to be like okay well fine there was obviously an issue between you and Celtic but again time will tell I think Warren time. said yesterday Warren said yesterday you know he needs to stay off the front pages and he doesn't think he will so being in an environment like Dundee where, you know, it's a bit of a spicy dressing room, um, you know, and who knows what the professionalism, who knows what the, I'm not, I don't want to call it a question that they're professionalism, but I will it be as good as it is at Celtic? I don't know. Um, well, listen, it came up, as you say, Lawrence brought it up the other day, and you think to yourself, sometimes a group of players work well together because there is that bond in the dressing room. But, I mean, when I, I look at that dressing room and you look at Paul McGowan and Jason Cummins and Lee Griffiths, I think well, yeah, from I a manager's perspective, it would be hellish to try and manage those three. Honestly, yeah. it would be hellish. Uh, we'll get back to Charlie Adam, JP. There's a wee linkage yeah. there between Charlie Adam and Eddie, so I'll come back yeah. to him. Um, Declan, when you look at Cham, and I'm going to also speak about some of the departures in terms of what next, would it surprise you 
uh, going on. Everything that JP said, and which I totally agree with, if he was to get another big move from Swansea, and he was in the press, let's say, in a, a couple of years' time, and he's secured a massive move for a big fee. Would that surprise you? Do you think that he's capable of doing that? He probably is capable of doing it. Um, I think at times in a Celtic jersey, we all saw that he was capable of doing that. It's all about application. It's all about what you give. And again, you know, the style of Swansea's player, but I don't really know much about Swansea since they've dropped into the Championship after leaving the Premier League. Um, but yeah, it depends again what kind of season Swansea have whether they're pushing for promotion into the Premier League and how big a part he plays in that but the ability is there it's just about application but Mm. if I I don't know if I'm wrong on this but when he went to Marseille last season in loan I don't think he played a lot of football but first thing he was kind of in and out of the team Villas Boas left the building when he arrived Um, so I don't think he showed too much at Marseille to make it the big move so again it's just all down to him but Wish him all the best because he gave me one of the best nights of my life in Rome. So um, I'll let him all fit for that. But yeah, if he if he, he gives all he can do, I, I don't doubt that he could get another big move. But again, that's up to the player. Absolutely. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me either, to be totally honest with you. Um, I want to dip into the comment section because we are streaming on a number of different platforms. Welcome to the show if you're watching on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitch. If any other platforms become available, we'll be... <laughs> broadcasting on there as well. Um, but I'm going to start off with this one. Paddy. How are you doing, Paddy? Paddy Lavery. Who won the platinum disc? That's a good question. I've got it just over here. Now, that's the latest one, JP. We bit of the old Fratellis. Um, Costello Music. Chelsea Dagger. Sometimes played at Celtic Park to this day. Used to be played... Far more regularly. This is one of the official ones. I know that you get companies that make them up and all this, but this is a BPI certified for uh, double platinum, 600,000 copies of the Island Records album, Costello Music, as presented in 2006 to John Fratelli, big Celtic man. So the question is who won it? Because all you do is you subscribe to a Celtic State of Mind by visiting a State of Mind on YouTube, which is free, and you go into a monthly draw. Uh, and that was last month. It's just I've kind of been a wee bit busy because we've got a music festival tomorrow that we're covering as well. Uh, so I've not announced it, but I'm going to announce it right now. And the winner of Costello Music's Platinum Disc is Tony Cassidy. Now, Tony pops in and out of the comments, which is great, um, as does Mick Nolan, who won the Verve one. Um, so, Tony, I will be in touch or get in touch with us and we will arrange to either send this or drop it off to you um, as soon as we possibly can. So, well done. If you want to be in with a chance of winning brilliant prizes, just subscribe on YouTube. It's free charge. And like I just said there, we cover other things other than Celtic. I'm going to a festival tomorrow where Glass Vegas, Kyle Faulkner, the Sherlocks and others are playing in Dalkeith and we are on the media duties, JP. And we've even got furry muffs for the occasion with Dukla Prague-esque badges on them. So it's all happening. Brilliant. Really looking forward to that. The Urban Cool Shit. Interestingly, Las Vegas and, and Kyle Faulkner, Celtic fans. Well, two of Las Vegas. And, and I played at Celtic Park as well. They played in one of those games. That's right. uh, Kyle Faulkner's got a really good story about Martin O'Neill, I'm sure. So you should probably ask him about that if you get the chance. Oh, I'll try. I will try. I'm, I, I quite like his, his latest album, to be fair. Uh, the Urban Coolshay, welcome back to the show. Uh, you're watching on YouTube. We have to be within four points of the league leaders at Christmas to win this. I may have mentioned this before, but losing the title is not an option this year. I don't think it is an option. And that's why the headline um, along the, the bottom of the page here, Will Ange, will these dozen new arrivals be enough to close the gap? I mean, f- for so long we were talking about uh, mind the gap, JP, and now it's flipped, to, to use a, a Boiseism. It's flipped. Uh, we're trying to close the gap. And the question is, you know, we're kind of taking it in stages. So a massive restructuring job is required. Put that on the back burner just now. Focus on the players. 12 incomings. Loads of players leaving. Do you get the sense, JP, that this is almost, let's get up to January. We know there's a few gaps there. Let's get up to January. And then we can go again. And there'll be a far busier transfer window in January than there was January past. Do you get that vibe? Yeah, I think I think the, the I've said this before a few times that the market's really weird at the moment, you know. Um 
it's just it doesn't feel the same. It didn't feel the same in the last few few uh, weeks and months. The the, the level of uh, player movement wasn't as much as it normally is. You know, another team in Glasgow didn't even have any bids for any of their players. So you know things like that. Um, and you know they've all won the league, and you know are supposed to be this unbelievable team. Why were there no bids for those players? I'm not saying it's because they're poor players, but I'm just saying it's because the market isn't as it normally is. Um, and so we were. I think we were very fortunate to get the money that we got for Odson Edward with a year left to get anything at all for Ryan Christie when he's when he could walk away for nothing in January. Is, is was decent, um, but I think yeah, January will probably be. You know, I, I would hope anyway would be a bit of a an easier market to operate in, and you know we can see how we go to it between now and then. I, I, you know, a lot, I think scales has flown under the radar a bit, and I'm, I've, mm-hmm. I've read enough about this guy and watched his interview yesterday, and I jokingly tweeted and said Liam Scales CSE, um, in the hope that that might be uh, brought back in a year's time to to as some sort of premonition. But there's something about this guy that I think he's going to be good, and and I think he might end up playing first team football. He's been given the number five, which is a pretty good, uh, you know, uh, yeah, it's a pretty good level of uh, intent by the club, you know, and giving him a, a first team squad number. So mm. I, I don't know. I, I think I think Scales could be the dark horse of the transfer window. The rest, obviously, uh, Yota is an unknown quantity to me. I don't know much about him. But if you've got a price tag like that at the end of this season, long loan, he's got to be decent. And uh, Carter Vickers, Spurs fans apparently are not bothered about losing him. But I mean, I'm pretty sure Spurs fans weren't that bothered about losing Joe Hart. And look what Joe Hart's done at Celtic, you know. Um, so if Carter Vickers can come in and do a similar job in terms of tightening up that defence, and you know, guy's six one, is he? You know, uh, he's got to be better in the air than than what we've got at the moment, and more commanding. And would he have dealt with that corner on Sunday? This is this is a big question, isn't it? I mean, you brought up Liam Scales. Uh, we were kind of crying out, Declan, for centre halves because you know we're playing at the moment Starfelt and Welsh. And uh, there are still deficiencies there. I didn't want to go in studs up on any of the two of them. I've, I've championed Welsh. I like him as a player. Starfelt settling in. Thought he did okay against Rangers, for example. Uh, but as JP says, a very simple kind of defensive situation to be in is to defend that corner. I mean, to the point where, you know, world football's changed so, so much. And there's a great book called The Numbers Game, which basically says when you actually look at the figures, it's not worth your well flighting a corner in. You're better not crossing it. And, and some clubs got windy that a few years ago and they played the short corner just to get the ball back into kind of into the field of play and, and keep the possession. It would seem that the only team uh, that you should probably flight a corner in against is Celtic <laughs> and it's still the situation. Um, I mean, the percentage was so low around the world, unless you're playing Celtic, should be the caveat. We still can't defend it. Um, I mean... I've loved the fact that, that bringing in um, Carter Vickers has brought its own me story as well, to be fair, and we'll cover that. Um, but we were calling out for centre-halves, but when you actually look at the transfer uh, window as a whole, we brought in Urigidi, we brought in Starfelt, we brought in Carter Vickers, and also the man mentioned by JP there, Liam Skills, who can play centre-half or left-back. So we've actually brought in four, and we've got Julien to return as well. But I do think we needed that 11th hour arrival. Uh, what's your thoughts on the centre-half position and uh, how strong we are there, Dick? I think if you look at the Hearts game when uh, he went with Beto and, and Starfield made his debut that night, it was the wrong decision. You know, We've seen that Wales just came into the team and it's been very settled between the two of them again. That's been positive because we changed so much between that centre-half position last season. But that showed you the lack of depth in that position. Again, if you look at Midgeland away after Beton's stupidity at Celtic Park, you're trusting the young boy Murray to come in and do the job. So I think you did need that 11th hour signing um, because it's two players in each position there. Uh, at centre-half, now get four that you would trust in the, the boy Murray. And again, it even probably makes near beat on, uh, dare I say, a midfield player again because we've used him so much at, uh, as a centre-half for about four years now. But again, when he first came to the club and People forget under Brendan Rodgers at the very start of that 2016 season, he, he played in, in central defensive midfield. He played in the 5-1 game in a, in a central defensive midfield role. So I think we definitely did need that 11th hour signing. 
it will push the guys that are already there. It will only help, I would say, Welsh and, and Murray's development as well as young centre-backs. But uh, it's an area, I would say, that we're definitely stronger in now. With Julian coming back, than we, we, we once were because last season we depended so much on Chris Iyer. He is going to be a miss, but uh, I would say we've brought in suitable replacements in that position now. But again, people will look towards the two first-team coaches. Again, there's been a lot made about oh, John Kennedy's the defensive coach. He's not his assistant manager and first-team coach as well as Stephen McManus, but Surely the basics are defending with two guys there that they can do something about it because it just mm. at times it just looks so simple. I know we're cynical as football fans when we look at it, but we've got two guys in there that one is a highly rated coach and John Kennedy by many people, and another former Celtic captain, both centre half. So yeah, I think we did need that eleventh hour signing, and it definitely adds a bit of depth to that back four. And you're not worried that if you pick up an injury in there, you know that we'll be okay. JP reckons that uh, Liam Scales will be the, the dark horse of the transfer window um, when it became evident that he was coming to the club and we start speaking about it on Axom I kind of bracketed him I guess with Liam Shaw and uh, Urugiri I thought he's going to be one of the guys that's maybe on the periphery of the first team and the comments that started coming in pretty quickly were you're wrong this guy is a, is a, you know, he's a first-team player. Um, and the Shamrock Rovers fans that tuned in or those with, with a persuasion for the Irish League were informing me and educating me on the fact that uh, this guy is better than a fringe player. Um, would you subscribe to that, deck that maybe he's going to be the dark horse of this transfer window? Possibly, yeah, especially with that kit number, giving him number five. Um, you know, half a million pound, I think, was the price tag on him. It's a decent amount of money. Um, it's not obviously in the millions but he's played a lot of football for, for Sam Rovers he's obviously played in the, the conference league at a decent enough level um, and I think he might step up and again I think that left back position is really anybody's at the moment we've going to get four um, there's been a lot made of Greg Taylor don't know how long that injury is going to be in his shoulder for don't think anybody would probably play bowling over there uh, Montgomery's there in that position we've saw him come on against Alkmaar Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not too sure what his right position is going to be, whether it's going to be left back and the left wing. Managers swapped that about and then skills. But uh, I think that position really is anybody's and it's up in the air just now. I hope it's you not Juranovic's, mean- uh, though. I don't want to see Juranovic no. playing at left back because he didn't look, that didn't look like the, the, the right balance. I mean, he, you can tell he's a good player, but I'd far rather see him playing, if he's going to play anywhere, playing the right. It's frustrating, isn't it, where you've got two decent. I mean, because I'm going to say it, Ralston's a decent option at right back. It is frustrating when you've got those two decent options and then on the left-hand side, you're actually wondering who is your first choice. I think Taylor is um, the first choice. But but I have been impressed with Montgomery. I think Montgomery uses the ball really, really well. Um, he's not. He looks kind of lightweight, but he doesn't seem to get knocked off the ball that easily. And as you're saying, Declan, you know, when it comes to him in the final third, he doesn't get a nosebleed. You know, he's quite comfortable yeah. up there because obviously he's played, uh, you know, further up the field in his earlier days. I'm talking about him as if he's a veteran. He's only 19 yeah. in his earlier days. Um, there's, a, there's a message coming on on YouTube. Uh, Michel Sharon. Is that how you pronounce that? Thanks yeah. for joining us. And it's an important message after all. For afternoon all. For anyone who may wish to pay their last respects to Danny Martin, then his cortege will pass uh, Harati's, uh, which is a pub that Declan drinks in at times. Harati's goal. Harati's. Harati's. See, I don't drink. I don't drink in pubs, Declan. Sorry. At 11.30am this coming Saturday, and it's Harati's. The family have decided on a private funeral. Uh, so thank you for informing us. Thank you, Declan, for giving me the correct pronunciation of the establishment. Um, and obviously there will be a lot of people wishing to pay their respects, Declan. So it's Heritage. Nice one. Right, now, moving on to our other centre-half, Carter Vickers. There has been a bit of a sensation online, JP, which is great. It's great to see. Um, and we now have another wee friendship developing, but it's not a new friendship. It's something that's been revitalised with Catholic United because, of course, our links with them go right back to them wearing the green and white hoops that were presented or gifted to them by Sir Robert Kelly back in 1968. Um, I think they've gone from about 2,000-odd followers on Twitter um, right up to five figures and growing 
Uh, their merch is selling out. Their player sponsorships uh, have sold out because I actually sent them a message and said, you know, Axon would do a sponsorship of one of your players, but there's none available. Tremendous <laughs> to see, isn't it? It's superb to see that, isn't it? As it is. I'd never, I'd never heard of them. I didn't know anything about them until... Until they, I think they replied to your uh, post about the book, about the Celtic jersey book, and said, "Oh," and then they just dropped a wee link to to their to their strip. And as soon as I saw that link, I thought, "Oh my God, they're going to sell an absolute bucket load of them." And they must, I think, I mean, they probably have done in the last, you know, four or five days. And it, and then you know the pictures of Carter Vickers wearing uh, a, a strip as a young boy, and he obviously played for them, so. You don't you don't need to uh, tug on the heartstrings too much to to join the dots and you know make a lineage between the, the, those two clubs um, and the fact that he's now playing for the real hoops um, as opposed to the the tribute uh, hoops. Um, so I it's it's, it's it's great and I, I don't even know are they based in London? Where are they based? It's um, South End on Sea, I think it is. Oh, is it right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. But the the thing is, uh, we have these friendships with clubs, and they develop in many different ways. So it's just brilliant to see how this has unfolded. There has been a connection in the past, back in the sixties, and here we are, um, all these years later. Oh, but then you, but then you get slagged for having a f- affection for other clubs, or you can only have affection for Celtic. Really, you can't you can't like another club or have a fondness for another club. But God forbid, you know, like I get you know, battered on Twitter the other day for being excited about Cristiano Ronaldo signing for Manchester United. Sorry, sorry that, you know, one of the greatest players is returning to my favoured uh, team down south who have an affiliation with Celtic, whether you like it or not. Watch the Three Kings, watch Jock Steen and uh, Sir Matt Busby and that handover and Jock Steen saying, I hope the next team with their hands in this trophy is, is yours. And, mm-hmm. and lo and behold, it was. So, you know, I, I don't get this, you know, you know, why is it okay to like St. Pauli? It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I switched to Boost Mobile and got a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone. Want to know the best part? Uh, it was free? Nope. The fact that it's on America's largest 5G networks? Nope. It's the ding. Oh, yeah. Love the ding. Right? It's all about the ding. It's the dingarooski, the dingarona, the ring-a-ding-ding. Unleash your power to save with Boost. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone when you switch. Boost Mobile. Unleash your power. And the ding. Limited time offer. New customers only. Available on select networks. 5G not available everywhere. One device per line. Tax excluded. Additional restrictions apply. See your local Boost Mobile store for details. But you can't like anybody else. You know, it's just because Celtic and St. Pauli have this, you know, close affiliation. Celtic have affiliations with a lot of clubs and... You know, I don't, I don't see the issue. Um, by the way, Celtic, Man United, Celtic first and foremost, and in, in any yeah. jam, in any competitive game, I'm Celtic first and foremost. There's no way I'd be supporting Man United over Celtic. But yeah, I don't. I, I you know, if, if you've got an affiliation with a, a club, and now we have an affiliation with them, you get slagged for having a a, a, a top, uh, one of their tops or one of their trackies. Then it's a bit of a sad state of affairs. You know, the, the thing with this, JP, uh, I remember growing up and there was certain affinities with English clubs and then um, we would play a lot of testimonial games. Yep. And then you start looking at the, the history of the clubs and where it originated. So um, I think because the, the only way you would ever play these teams would be in European competition. You know, you're not 
you're not actually competing domestically for anything, then it's only natural that you might have an affinity elsewhere. And then obviously, you know, moving into the 1980s, late 80s with this, the St. Pauli thing, which has grown uh, and there's this shared ideology in terms of a political um, state of mind as well with their fan base. Um, is there any affinities that you have, Declan? Or is it uh, like the old interviews you used to see in the shooting the, mag, uh, the match? Who's your second team, Celtic Reserves? Uh, yeah, it is Celtic first and foremost, but I do have a, a soft spot, as you know, for, for Manchester United as well. And again, that's due to old players playing for them. You know, King Henry Larson having played for both clubs. And then got a decent enough relationship with Paddy Cairns as well, who played for both Celtic and Man United. So a lot of the guys had their testimonials against Man United, as they did Liverpool. Um, but I think it's up to really anybody, whoever else they like to tune in to watch. I like to watch uh, uh, German football and watch Dortmund as well. And in Bayern Munich, and I watched PSG the other night. And I say I've got an affinity for them, but I like to watch other football because... The other night was very bizarre to see Lionel Messi in a different football kit. I think it broke mm. uh, French TV football viewing figures. But um, yeah, there's, there's teams I like to watch because they just play good football and I enjoy football. Yeah, absolutely. Some people, some people even uh, have Bournemouth as their second team, bizarrely enough. You know, like, and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they'd always pick Bournemouth when they were playing Sabutio as a child. I'm sure they did. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, I think somebody's coming into wind juice two up Celtic Man uh, City, Johnny Ryan. Um, no. There you go. You know, a bit of a Neil uh, connection there. There no, is a big Billy connection. Yeah, and Mick McCarthy and uh, Jerry Craney as well. Giorgio Samaras. Um, yeah, there are connections there with various clubs. Um, and then we've got various others coming in saying that we've got um, Everton. There was definitely an association back in the 80s there. And uh, when I was down, actually, JP, speaking to Edgar Summertime-Jones, the great uh, musical icon who has flown under the radar for many, many years. Uh, you know, he's an Everton fan and his good lady was showing me pictures of her uh, son and grandson wearing the hoops. And she explained all about that. If you're an Everton fan and your Scottish club's always going to be Celtic. So absolutely love it. I do love it. I've done the whole St. Pauli thing, went over there. Uh, their bar's called the Jolly Roger. And I pronounced that one correctly, Declan. Um, so I would I would recommend that to anybody. And Catholic United, get them checked out. We tried to sponsor one of their players, but all the sponsorship was gone. Now, you mentioned Ronaldo um, earlier on there. JP obviously was in action last night, broke a record. Uh, most international goals for a male footballer. And he was up against uh, Ireland. And I've been informed in the comment section that Shane Duffy had a, another cracking game. So it just shows you how last season seemed to engulf a lot of players, you know, experienced players. Shane Duffy, for example, who has captained Ireland. You've got, you know, Diego Luxall, who at the time was at AC Milan after, a, I think he, he signed for AC Milan for about 12 million quid. He had played in the, the World Cup for Uruguay and made it to the team of the tournament. So, you know, there's a, a whole issue about last season uh, and there's a, a whole uh, load of reasons for that. But because of that, JP, um, our Bournemouth fan, Ryan Christie, was the player that I felt we could have retained and we could have got a tune out of. It looked good. I think the signs were good since Ange came back in. And if there was any disappointment of any of the players leaving, there was a, there was a hint of resignation about all the others, certainly in my, my view. But I thought Ryan Christie was the one we could have got a tune out of. Was there any disappointment from you or are you on the other side of that saying, well, if he doesn't want to be here, let the guy go? No, I'm definitely... You know, these guys that wanted to go should have gone at the time that they should have gone. And we might not have found ourselves in the situation that we were in, whereby we had a dressing room full of guys that were, you know, their heads were out the door. I know I've said that before, but their heads were out the door. And clearly Ryan Christie just wanted a move. Anyway, I mean, there's no, you're not trying to tell me that he has a real fondness for Bournemouth Football Club. I mean, he just wanted a move, wanted to go somewhere wanted to get a, a you know better contract and test himself somewhere else and that's totally fine. I don't I don't have an issue with that. But it should have it should have been allowed to happen way before now. You know, if it was clearly he wasn't going to sign a new deal, it should have been I don't know if it was COVID to blame or not. If no one came in for him last season or last summer, 
then that's neither the player or the club's fault. That's just the 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 the, the climate that we find ourselves in. But I was on the. I, I was starting to warm to the idea and thinking maybe he's changed his mind. Maybe maybe he likes what he's you know the the team that he's playing in. He likes what Ange Postecoglou has uh, got to uh, implement and say. And then he played on Sunday and. He, did, he didn't play for, for me. And that is yet another game against them that he hasn't done anything. And I just thought, right, okay, if you're not going to do it on this stage, then I'm I'm, I'm okay. I've, I'll make my peace with you going and wherever it is you go, fine. If we get money for you, great. But, you know, we've brought in um, uh, Yota and, uh, you know, you've got, I think, I think we're okay on that. I think Montgomery could even play further forward than people have said that. Um, into that left position, um, but Christie, you know, I, 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 the same with it, the same with Edward. It was heartbreaking to watch all these pictures of Edward in the Crystal Palace shirt, and you know, and then the video where they nicked the "I want to be Edward," which is it was. I have to admit, it was well done. It was cool what they did on a very, you know, looked like it was a kind of last minute idea, like oh, let's film you walking into a record shop and picking up the Stone Roses. Because um, it wasn't exactly a big production thing, it was quite you know looked like it might have been done on an iPhone, um, but it was good anyway. And, and and you know as much as it sticks in the throat a little bit for them to steal, but let's face it, it's a Celtic fans' song. I mean the Green Brigade, I think it was the Green Brigade started it. I saw St Johnson had uh, uh, jumped on the uh, glass of champagne slash um, scooter song as well. So they've 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 appropriated that for for their players, which you know whatever. But um, Eddie leaving, it was time for him to go, wasn't it? I mean, it was. I wish he'd left in a blaze of glory with a goal against them at Ibrox because that would have been. I mean, should have. Parallel, parallel universe. He scores that, and they just they they implode because you you know that's what would have happened. But you know we didn't get that. They didn't get that rub, and um, and he's away. And I and I hope he does well down there. I, I hope he. You know, gets back to the level that you know we all know because it was only good for Celtic um, and and their and their player sales in the future. My friend Chris said to me yesterday that he thought the Christie and the Cham uh, transfers might have a bad impact or a negative impact on our uh, potential sales going forward because it's like, well, you've only sold two first team players to Swansea City and Bournemouth. Um, and that's that's not really where we should be aiming to sell our players. Like obviously, if Cham mm-hmm. goes to Porto for a big fee, then that makes Celtic look good. If Crying Christie goes to, you know, a, a Southampton or something like that for a for a fee, then that makes Celtic look good. So, you know, you want in Cham, uh, you want Eddie to go down there and tear it up in the Premiership if he can at that at that size of club. I don't know because it obviously puts us in a good light, and you know, you don't you don't want. You kind of want, even no matter what's happened, you want Celtic players to do well. I think you said that the other day in one of the bulletins. You know, you want, yeah. you know, you want, you, you want these guys who have done a job for you, and they did do a job for us. There's no question. Anybody slating Eddie has got short memories of of you know what he what he did in a Celtic jersey. It was absolutely unbelievable. So, um, you know, you get absolutely. what you pay for, as you said. Yeah, I mean, there's quite a few different ways to look at this, and I'm going to pitch a couple of them at you as well. But on that point, uh, I remember a, a chat I had with Bernie Slavin, Middlesbrough legend, big Celtic fan, and he spoke about some of the players that went down, you know, around about the time of Gordon Strachan. So they signed quite a lot of players from the Scottish game, and they took down, you know, Scott McDonald went down, Willow Floods, um, Chris Killen, Barry Robson, um, as well as Chris Boyd, Kevin Thompson. You know, quite a lot of players came that went down from their league. And, you know, for the best part, not all of the players were, were big players in Scotland, but, you know, you had a player who was a top goal scorer for Celtic. You had a player who, you know, like him or loathe him, he scored goals in Scotland and Chris Boyd. And they went down there and they actually failed. Every single one of them failed. Big McManus, in fact, went down there as well. Um, and Bernie Slavin says, you know, he's down there and uh, he's constantly trying to big up Scottish football, uh, and, middle, and he works for Middlesbrough, does a lot of hospitality there, and then they bring down half a dozen players from their game, and they all flop, you know, and he's like, well, you know, I don't have an argument. So, absolutely, I do think it's an advert for Celtic. Um, the Encham and Christie point your pal made there, I think, is a good one, uh, but what I would ask, and before I get on to it, is, you know, some of the players that have left, and then fairly recently in, in Tierney and, and a wee bit before him in Dembele, you know, as long as we've done the deals well, 
uh, obviously it can't be the case when Chami was a free agent when he signed with Swansea. As long as we've done the deals well, we might get that second payday. And I think that's, that is absolutely massive. And it could be quite lucrative when you look at the list of players, maybe the last five players who have gone for um, reasonably big fees. Now, Owen McGrandall is still on the theme of other clubs. United have always been my English team since the 1980s. Always got their highlights on Scotsport. That's a wee uh, throwback. Uh, great attacking principles. You know, I watched McClare when he signed for, for United, I watched Alglish when he signed for Liverpool. You, you kind of follow certain players, Nicholas, when he went to Arsenal. Um, but in terms of English football, it's always probably been Liverpool for me. I always liked Liverpool. And I think getting to know the history of Steen and Shankly's relationship as well. Um, and of course, at one point, we had the links with the likes of Brennan Rodgers, but I went mm-hmm. a wee bit sour at Celtic Park. So yeah, <laughs> I, I could never say I've supported an English team because for me you, you've got to go to the games and stuff and I've probably and I've said this before I've probably been to St James's Park more often than any other football ground in England but I do I've always had that affinity and, and I do like Liverpool but on that that note I mean Liam Scales spoke about it in his interview with the Celtic TV he says you're growing up where I, I, I was growing up everybody Everybody's team is Celtic, plus the team that you support. That was the words that he said, right? And I think what he meant was the English team that you support. So, you know, everybody supports Celtic, um, but the team that they support might be Liverpool, Man U, and so on. And there's probably a few English teams now that have entered the consciousness of these football fans who 10, 15, 20 years ago wouldn't have been well-supported in Ireland, I'm guessing. You know, teams like Man City, who have only just come to the fore uh, in the last couple of decades or so. Um, now, one of the big things as well, talking about Eddie, and um, we've already chatted about uh, songs that have been played at Celtic Park and Chelsea Dagger. You'll Never Walk Alone um, is one of the big Celtic stroke Liverpool anthems as well. But I want to be Edward or I want to be adored. That was one that, you know, it was the originality of the Celtic supporters. It's now become one of these football chants that you find in various other football parks. But like the Armstrong chant, Declan, it's now going to be sang by a group, perhaps, or a full stadium of Crystal Palace fans. Uh, obviously, Southampton have nicked to our Shorty Armstrong song. What were you thinking when you seen that? I mean, I don't like when it's a player like him, a star player like Eddie. I didn't like seeing him in the, in the Palace jersey, but I've got to admit, I thought that was quite a cute video. I thought it was pretty well put together. Uh, fair play to the social media team at Palace. I, I was watching Deadline Day in Sky Sports News and the presenter and his uh, English accent started singing it and I I cringed big time then I saw the video and I thought that's actually quite good but um, <laughs> it was, it was, that's quite good but no, in a good way um, to us um, it's always disappointing to see you know a person that's gave you a lot of happy memories leave the football club um, you know we're watching Edward especially that Sable Treble Cup final which is a day that will live long in the memory for every Celtic fan he's two goals in that game so he wrote his way into Celtic history, maybe not in a big way like others, but he, he certainly got his place there in, in terms of more recently. Um, and it will be interesting to see how he gets on down there. He's been down there for a relatively big fee. He is uh, going to be in a big wage. Selhurst Park makes a lot of good noise, but again, they're in a bit of transition. Obviously, a lot of years under Roy Hodgson, moving to Patrick Vera, who it didn't really work out for in France when he was there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he gets on and whether or not Palace have a good or a bad season and what kind of part Edward plays in that because I, I would imagine if, if Palace have a bad season but Edward is still banging in goals he probably will get a move somewhere else or Palace have a good season he's banging in the goals he'll get the move somewhere else so he's a top quality football player in his day um, but I think it was probably right for both parties for the club in terms of what we could cash in on him and for the players development to, to part these. Yeah, we spoke about the Dundee dressing room. Charlie Adam reckons we would have got five million quid for him. And I think he then fell for a fantasy football fee, six and a half yeah. million quid on Twitter. But when I do look I, at it, and uh, sorry, sorry, Dick. I'm just going to say that's five million quid probably to Charlie and then 40% of the profit to PSG and all that stuff. So really it would only work out two million odd quid or something. Probably not even worth our time selling him, was it? Brilliant, brilliant, yeah. Um, but the thing, the thing with him is, and it's kind of one of these parallel universes, I'm going to bring in a comment for Kev, Kev Graham on the comment section. Um, but I just feel that had he developed under Brendan Rodgers at Celtic Park, 
we'd be talking about different fees and different moves for us and Edward. I know it's cloud cuckoo land, but I just feel that his development and the management of, of Rogers, the coaching of Rogers was key to how things have turned out because obviously last season we know what happened there. He's kind of lost a bit of momentum. There might have been a tiny wee glimmer of hope when Ange came in that he might be able to get something out of him. But I just think the part to Rogers, you know, there was quite a few players um, who could have been much, much better for Celtic. But uh, Kevin Graham is coming in on the comment section. He's out of isolation today. It's the Marketers Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Still very fatigued physically and mentally. Wouldn't wish it on anyone. So everybody needs to be safe out there. Um, we'll be talking about uh, vaccine passports in a wee minute with our political correspondent, Declan McConville. However, on the note of Kev, uh, Kevin is now fully engulfed in developing Axom's publishing uh, arm. I was going to say department, but it's a department of one, which is Kevin Graham. Um, yeah. we've, got th- we've got three manuscripts um, from various different authors, uh, one of which is Kevin, actually, which are good to go. They're ready to go. We're obviously not going to release all three books in one go, but that's something that people have come to us uh, over the years and said, you know, I- I'm writing this book with Axon Publish It. So there's three books good to go. Kevin's is going to be the first one that we release via Axon Books. Uh, and then there's going to be quite a big project which will kick into place at the beginning of next year. So Kevin is taking care of all of that. And in the meantime, um, he has decided to step away from the live production duties of the Axon Bulletin. But he will still be working on Scream Celica, which is part of his avatar there. That's the, the logo for Scream Celica. It won't be a live broadcast. It's going to be one of the ones that we do in the studio, fully produced lights, camera, action, all that kind of stuff, fully edited. Um, so it might be more like a once-a-month gig. But that's because we don't want to do everything that we do on a live streaming kind of service as the Axon Bulletin um, is doing right now. So Kev will be back. Don't worry, you will hear his dulcet tones again. Um, he was called a tutor when I made that announcement earlier on. I don't think he minds that because uh, I'm called the exact same. So there you go. He'll be looking after all the books and his latest book, his new book, the debut, will be announced and will be available for Christmas. So I'm pretty sure you will all I know what it that. is as well. I'm excited about it. You know what it is, JP. Absolutely. There is a link there. It will all become clear. But uh, on the subject of COVID, Declan, what's your thoughts on the, the vaccine passports and how it's going to affect Scottish football? Yeah, it's something that we've been speaking about in the podcast for a few months now. Um, when there was first kind of murmurs of this, majority of politicians in the country seem to be against it due to the fact that it, you know there's, a kind of, there's going to be a crossover here because, again, there's people out there who can't get vaccinated by choice um, because they may have other health issues and whatnot. So um, it all depends on what the you know the legislation is around this in terms of how those people fit into play. Because I don't think it's fair for people who can't get it um, to be kind of segregated from the rest of society due to the fact they can't get it. Again, vaccines were came in as an optional uh, procedure for people. Many people would argue now that they're not optional, that it's kind of, you know, forcing people to do it. But again, the flip of that is big, large-scale events, whatnot. Um, if you want to go to them, you're going to basically need to take them. Um, I've had to, and I'll be one of the fortunate ones that be able to get the certificate, but I can understand other people who have decided not to take the vaccine and uh, aren't happy about this uh, 
he is one of them. Mm. Um, I don't think he'll be probably playing any gigs where that is going to be the case in countries yep. in Ireland. Uh, are uh, one of the countries that do have the certificates in place just now. But again, you know, we're, we're still fresh from, we're only a few months down the line from elections. We have saw a, a, a co-leaders deal between the, the Greens and the SNP uh, and, and government. So for this to go through, we do have a minority parliament. So for it to be passed in parliament, two political parties in the Scottish parliament are going to have to vote for it, for it to be passed. So it's not a, a one-party thing. This two parties are going to need to put it through. It's, I, I think, you know, the, the joint response group, the GRG yesterday, um, said that it was just going to be complete disaster for them in terms of queues are bad enough going into Celtic Park just now. And I, I can't see how this would, uh, you know, help that at all. I get that cases are, are rising. There's a worry about hospitalisations. I don't want us to go back and impose restrictions, but uh, there's a lot to tear apart with us. And I think there's a lot more to come. And that's still to be decided on whether it will get pushed through or not. Um, but... It's a worry, I think, for some people, as I say, that can't have the actual vaccine and, and where their place will be and how it will help queues and whatnot getting into to football stadiums. Again, I don't know why there's maybe not more an emphasis around negative lateral flow tests, which are widely available because people would then have the, the, the peace of mind that festivals, I think, were doing. Correct me if I'm wrong, JP, but you had to present a, a negative lateral flow test, which may have been a better idea. But I think there's still a lot more to go in this one. Yeah, absolutely. But it's always great to have a political correspondent on the show, JP, eh? just to take care <laughs> of that little bit for us. Thank you very much for that. No worries. Um, the, the curious case of Jack Hendry got me thinking. Uh, we, we spoke about the club stands, you know, doing what they had every right to do uh, and buying the player because it was all written into the contracts, you know, 12 months previously. Uh, and then flipping the deal on its head. Uh, and and making a big profit, absolutely. But uh, then the you know the news came through that Celtic had a sell on clause in that deal as well. So we made a bit of money on top of the transfer fee that we got for him, which I think was about one point seven when we sold them to the Belgian club. Um, so when you're looking at that and you're looking at sell on fees and you look at some of the players that uh, have just departed the building, Odson Edwards, um, Chris Fryer. Ryan Christie, Kieran Tierney and Moussa Dembele. Because obviously Dembele and Tierney have not made that move yet since joining uh, Arsenal and Leon, respectively. When you're looking at that, two things come to mind. Um, you would hope that, uh, you know, the way that Peter Lowell used to work these or build these, um, structure these deals continues under Dominic Mackay. You would hope that he inherits that and we, we get a sell on, uh, on some of these big transfers. But also those five players... JP, I'm going to come to you on this one. Dembele, Tierney, Christie, Ayer, Eddie. If and when all five of them make their next moves, the transfer fees, the combined transfer fees of those five players will be astronomical. Mm. I mean, it will be over 100 million quid. <laughs> that is scary. Oh, that is I know. I mean, potentially, yeah. I mean, I, the way things are going with Christie, uh, sorry, Christie, with Tierney at Arsenal and the way that that's sort of playing out there, You'd you'd expect somebody to maybe swoop in for him in January or or next summer or something like that. I mean, maybe he'll stay loyal to them and 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 you know stick it out and see who the new manager's going to be. Imagine if it was Brendan Rodgers, um, it could happen. So I don't know. I mean, I I think I think they're I think they're all very likely to move. I think I don't think Dembele will be at Lyon long term. Uh, I think he'll want to try his, his hand in the Premier League uh, at some point. And someone, I would imagine, will probably take a punt. And I remember there was talk of Manchester United going for Dembele at one point. Yeah, yeah. Don't think they've got any need for him now when they've got um, Cristiano Ronaldo in the door, as well as Cavani and you know Greenwood, Martial, Rashford. <laughs> you know, you name it. They've got a, a plethora of strikers now. But uh, I think, yeah, you're right. Um, they could all they could all um, reel in a lot of money. But regards to the Jack Hendry thing. I, I don't want to keep beating the drum about this, but I, I see people talking about Jack Hendry and they're like, oh, he was an absolute disaster for Celtic. He was a, he was a you know, horrible player. He had, a, had so many nightmares for us. And I've studied this. He didn't have 
that many bad games for Celtic. He was involved in a run of three games where we lost all three games. And I think Celtic fans have attributed those three losses to Jack Hendry and Jack Hendry alone. And you've got the gif of him running around at, Par- at Partick Thistle as well. With regards to how this has played out with Ostend, he could have, like, that whole thing could have been a, a terrible season for him. He could have not developed there at all, not played well for them, and he would have come back to us and we would have been in the same position. I think it's credit to Ostend that they, they coached him well, they gave him the platform, they trusted him, everything was agreed at that point. So to then spit the dummy about him being sold by them to a club in uh, Belgium who had obviously closer, uh, closer inspection of him whilst he was playing there, I think it's ridiculous to be like, oh, well, why should they get to, you know, how is he going for this sort of money? He's going for that sort of money because he's he played really well at a high level in Belgium. And, you know, we agreed the fee. You can't go changing the goalposts um, after, you know, just because something goes well, you know. And, and I don't blame him for staying with, signing for a stand and I don't blame him for, you know, moving to Bruges. He's going to be playing the Champions League. You know, and he's not, he wasn't that bad a player for us. He was a Brendan Rodgers signing. He's a Scottish international. I just think there's this like weird, like, you know, it's just people make up their minds whether they don't like somebody and they just, it feels like they just have to stick with it and just keep going, keep going, like, you know, double down, double down. This guy's terrible, he's terrible, good riddance. And it's like the guy's clearly proving you wrong <laughs> right now by the fact that he's now you know a yes. n- north of seven or eight million pound player so anyway that was my Jack Henry rant <laughs> no no it's, I think it's fair comment JP and also uh, you're talking there about an affection for Man U I was interested to watch the Gary Neville interview with my, uh, Roy Keane I thought it was brilliant oh yeah and he was, was talking really about good. this per- it was good wasn't it um, really good Interestingly enough, Dick, when asked about uh, managerial positions, he spoke about the championship. He never mentioned Celtic. No, and I noticed that as well. But I thought some of the stories were brilliant. You know, very, very funny. I know. Absolutely. Uh, One of the things I thought was very interesting was he was talking about perception within football. So it goes right back to what you just said there, JP. There's this perception that he was an absolute bomb scale. So you think every game he played, he was rubbish. Jack Henry, I'm talking about well, actually, when you focus on it, it might not have been the case. And it's just a <laughs> perception that's built up. Yeah. Uh, again, by the way, I'm not rewriting history. I'm not being a revisionist. Uh, I'm not saying he, he was went... Franz Beckenbauer, by the way, but I'm not. But, but in the same token, he wasn't absolutely terrible for Celtic either. I just think he, he played in, a, in an unsettled defence at times with, you know, um, possibly De Vries as the keeper. I can't remember, but like he, he, didn't, he didn't play in a, a cohesive unit and he was a lot was expected of him at a young age, and in quite high-profile games as well. You know, like away at Tynecastle, uh, away at Salzburg in the Europa League. I think was one of the games. So you know, I don't. I think he was rushed into that into the team at that time. And I think you know, there's a parallel universe where where Jack Hendry uh, did a lot better at Celtic, and and we'd, we would maybe be reaping the benefits of what he's currently doing now but it, didn't, it just didn't work out at the time. big thing I would say about him is uh, after the the difficulties I had at Celtic, because I remember him getting involved in a few online spats with Celtic fans on mm. social media. It was also quite obviously getting to him, you know. Mm. The move didn't work out. That affects a player on a mental level. Of course it does. Mm. And I don't mean that they then suffer mental health, but it will affect their mood. It will affect how they're feeling at that particular time. It might affect their mental health long term. Mm. But then he goes to Australia and you think, right, fresh start and he gets a terrible injury. Mm-hmm. So fair play to Jack Hendry from that point of that shocking injury that he got over in Australia, right, to come back and rebuild the, the, his career the way he has done. He's gone over to Belgium, unknown territory, really impressed over there to the point where one of the, the top clubs who's playing champion, Champions League football, JP, like you say, are prepared to spend a big fee on him. He's battled his way into Steve Clark's Euro squad, you know, regardless of what his performances were over there. So fair play to him for rebuilding his career. I think that's fantastic. Well, like uh, Declan said, it's, it's about player. application. It's about application. Declan said earlier on about in Cham, it's like it's about application. And he's obviously he's put the, the groundwork in. They haven't signed him. Ostend didn't sign him, you know, out of sympathy or anything like that. Club Bruges haven't signed him out of sympathy. You know, you don't go and spend that level of money on somebody that you don't think is going to do a job for you. 
and you know he's now at one of the top teams in Belgium or the top team in Belgium. Um, so I, I, I and I've got no affiliation to Jack Henry. I've never met the guy. Don't know anyone that knows him. I, I don't know what he's like as a person. I'm just basing it purely on the fact that he was a guy that played for Celtic. He was signed at a young age. I wanted him to do well because he was Scottish, um, and I'm pleased for him. You know, as a, from a distance as a Celtic fan, that he's doing well in a in a in a decent league. And he's got, you know, he's got a, a hell of a move, you know, and he's not only getting the money, he's at a top club, you know, it's not as if he's just at some Shan club and but he's getting loads of money. He's at a top club and he's going to be playing Champions League football. So Fair play, yeah. fair play, Jack Henry. Listen, it's always an absolute pleasure on a Thursday speaking to Declan and JP, but also dipping in and out of the comment section, if anybody knows Tony Cassidy, I did say Tony, not Terry, because Terry Cassidy's, always in the back mm. of my mind. Tony Cassidy, who has won the platinum disc that we're giving away for being a subscriber on our YouTube channel. If anyone knows him, tell me, get in touch. Uh, we're all over social media, easy enough to get in touch with us or leave a wee comment in the comments field and we can get in touch via email and drop it off if he is local. Thanks for joining us on YouTube, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, Twitch and everywhere else. And join us again tomorrow at 12.30 for a Celtic State of Mind. to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company go to iHeartResults.com for more Sports Social Podcast Network Sports Social Podcast Network Sports Social Podcast Network Sports Social Podcast Network Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.